0: THE WONDERFUL WORLD OF Dark Lords. PROLOGUE My dear brother, I apologize for leaving so suddenly, but an opportunity has presented itself that I cannot decline. Today, a powerful wizard approached me and asked that I survey several strange new domains on his behalf. In return, he has offered to tutor me in the arcane arts. I know you will not approve, but this is what we need. The cantrips I know are little more than parlor tricks. Do you think I can protect myself, or you, or your family with those? I know you still have nightmares. I've seen the look in your wife's eyes when your daughter is out of sight for even a moment. No, this trip will not be safe. Nowhere is safe. But perhaps, once I have learned more advanced spells, home will be safer. And you can sleep. All the parents of our village can sleep. I'm not a child anymore, brother. This time, I will protect myself. (laughs) Do try not to get yourself into trouble while I'm away. Love,
1: D. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And we're discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft Domains of Dread. So let's talk about why. <laughs> so the first question for this is our session zero, our kind of introduction. We want to talk a little bit about where we are and why we're doing this and why you're presumably listening to the thing that you're listening to.
0: <laughs> we're not going to get into a whole lot of detail because we're going over some of this in our pilot. You're going to get to hear about our lengthy histories with Ravenloft and why I personally am so madly in love with it and... Tom loves it for my That's sake. great.
1: That's great. <laughs> I just, you know, like other games too. But why? <laughs> How many straws do they have? <laughs> so the whole genesis of this project was, as we'll talk about in the pilot, as Rachel said, we were watching The Lion King with our son. He was one of those phasers watching it again and again and again. And Rachel realized that Scar is a perfect Dark Lord that we could take that Pride Lands under Scar's rule and very easily run them as a Ravenloft domain with a Ravenloft Dark Lord. And that got us thinking about other things. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that this isn't just, hey, we like Ravenloft, hey, we like Disney movies, let's see if we can put them together. It's surprisingly easy to overlap those two things. There's a surprising amount of synchronicity between Disney movies and Ravenloft domains. And I think examining that, a, lets us do something really fun and lets you have some really interesting encounters and domains and adventures for your players. And B, lets us sort of dig into what is a Disney villain, what is a Disney movie setting, and what is a Dark Lord and what is a Ravenloft domain?
0: Yeah, we're hoping that even if you don't end up using any of these Domains that we come up with—it's going to kind of spark some creative juices, give you some ideas for how to make some really cool domains of your own, how to use some of these villains maybe in non-Ravenloft campaigns. We're not going to be talking about that. We have a very narrow focus. We are talking about turning Disney movies into Ravenloft domains. Otherwise, these episodes are going to be five hours long. But hopefully, hearing about some of these ideas for how we bring some of these villains into D and Even if you're not a head like me, then it'll still be giving you some ideas for how to adapt this into your own campaign.
1: Right, because we're coming at the villain, we're coming at the setting through a couple of lenses that might be useful. And one is how to make the setting and the story a place for adventurers to engage Mm -hmm. with. How to take the kind of emotional arc and narrative arc of the movie, the, the core thing that makes it interesting to us, all these years later in some of these cases, Mm -hmm. and make that into a gameable scenario, make that into a Dungeons & Dragons adventure. And Mm -hmm. even if you don't see any of the specific stuff we come up with, as Rachel said, hopefully even just hearing us talk through that process will spark some inspiration.
0: Mm -hmm. And another thing that we're going to be getting into that'll hopefully be universally applicable is how to turn these into horror settings. Because, you know, we both adore horror. One of our favorite ways to relax is to sit on the couch and watch horror movies together. Tom isn't as much of a Ravenloft head as I am, but he loves horror GMing. I think it's fair to say that that's their favorite GMing mode.
1: Everything I'm running that's not Star Wars <laughs> becomes a horror game. Yes. At least in some adventures, at least in some sessions, it has elements of horror. Yeah. And Star Wars can have elements of horror, just less so. <laughs>
0: So when we're doing these movies, we're not going to be going through them in any particular order. We're not going to be, like, starting with doing all the movies of the Disney Renaissance and then moving or you know, starting with Snow White and going all the way up to the current stuff. Lord forbid. Lord forbid.
1: Doing them in alphabetical
0: order. <laughs> order of box office. Because some of these movies just do not work as Ravenloft domains. That doesn't mean anything bad about them. Lady and the Tramp... Siamese cast notwithstanding is my favorite classic Disney movie, but there's not really a villain. You can't make Lady and the Tramp or even love Domain. Mulan is a great movie, but one of the things that makes a Dark Lord a Dark Lord is that they're bound to one specific place, and Shan Yu's whole thing is that he's marauding around going to other places. So he doesn't work as a Dark Lord, even though you, I would love to give him more of a backstory. And there are others that we might do, that we're still kind of figuring out exactly what we want to do with them. You know, Cruella de fantastic, but we're still trying to figure right, out how we would be a Dark Lord. There's something there. Something there. <laughs> there's got
1: to be something there. There's got to be a way to include her in. That's still simmering on the back burner of our subconscious minds.
0: <laughs> so if you're listening and saying how in the heck did they decide this order, it was basically the order of what sounded cool to do at the time. <laughs> The different movies and domains are going to have different formats. Some of them are going to be full on AUs for the villain one. Um, some of them are going to be taking place during the chronology of the movie. There's going to be a, a specific time where the villain is ascendant that it works really well as being a domain at that point.
1: Some of them are going to be externally identical to the movie, but we've changed backstory. Mm-hmm. We've gone and we've added more sinister elements, or we've changed the backstory, we've changed the reasoning for this character to do what they're doing, or we've added things to give them a more, a darker and more horror edge, or we've added darker and more sinister elements to the setting that aren't mm-hmm. on camera, I'm air quoting. like <laughs> on camera, everything is the same as it is in the movie, but in our version, there is a dark shadow under that surface that we're going to be exploring. That's what makes it a Ravenloft domain of dread. Mm
0: -hmm. And sometimes even if the movie already is in a dark place and the villain is already quite villainous, they might not be villainous in that kind of gothic Ravenloft way where they've got kind of their defining sin that's controlling everything. So some of them are going to be going in and changing their motivation to make them again, a little bit more of a dark Lord, a little bit more of that kind of Byronic figure we're going to talk about in our pilot the elements that we feel make a great dark lord and one of the reasons that we picked scar for our pilot one of the reasons why the lion king jumped out at us as being oh my gosh this is a perfect domain is because scar as he is in the movie fits all of them perfectly i don't know if anybody else we're working with has all four of those elements perfectly so some of them we're having to go in we're having to add backstory we're having to change something about the domain in order to make them be that great dark Lord and to, to give you that great setting.
1: Fundamentally, the value of looking at Disney movies through the Ravenloft lens and looking at Ravenloft domains through the Disney movie lens, it all comes down to the role of the dark Lord and the villain. And I was looking up a thing about someone's theory of the Disney formula. And they mentioned the larger than life villain, the colorful Mm -hmm. villain, the sort of personification of evil, who is not only a ton of fun, a wonderful (laughs) villain, a great engaging character, because if you're spending time with the villain, you have to kind of like them on some level Mm -hmm. and be into them. You have to be impressed by them or scared by them or amused by them or think they're fabulous in some way. (laughs) Just from a filmmaking perspective, you're going to want to have the villain be engaging. And part of that engagement usually involves the sense that there is more to the villain in the Disney version than necessarily the classic mm-hmm. fairy tale version. So you can just have the wicked stepmother and be informed that she's wicked. You can just have the bad fairy in Sleeping Beauty and be informed she's bad. Mm-hmm. If we're putting them in a the movie, if we're putting them on camera, we're spending time with them, you need to give us more of an internal life. You need to give us their goals, their personality. Even in very oblique ways, we need to get some sense of who they are as a character If, like in a lot of classic fairy tales, the villainy is going to be the thing that drives the story. And so that means we have these wonderful, larger-than-life villains that are very central to the story. And also with Disney movies, you have, in a lot of cases, the Venn diagram overlap with the gothic of the external reflecting the internal. Mm -hmm. That you have the setting, the surroundings of the movie reflects what's going on internally with the characters. You, to go back to the Lion King, when Mufasa rules, things are green and beautiful and lush. When Scar rules, things are dead and barren and dying. And that's so perfect for the gothic, which means mm-hmm. really it's so perfect for Ravenloft.
0: Yeah, when in Sleeping Beauty, everyone's asleep in the castle, boom, thorns. Just it's, you, you can see it's like a, a switch flipping when Maleficent is ascendant. It's fantastic. And I think part of that is because since they're movies, they're trying to convey all this in a very visual way. And tabletop role-playing isn't a visual medium, but it does mean that you have that strong setting and those strong symbols within the setting that work beautifully for the gothic.
1: I mean, it does kind of fit that with tabletop role-playing, because, especially with Dungeons & Dragons you're usually not communicating interior experiences. You're Mm. usually communicating exterior experiences. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to communicate an emotional sensibility, that's going to be through the description of the setting, the description of the NPCs. Like that whole, you want to communicate the evil lord is ascendant.
0: Mm -hmm. The
1: necromancer has won, has conquered this kingdom. It's going to be fire and skeletons and blood and just all sorts of these external expressions of this internal thing they are trying to communicate.
0: That's really true, yeah, because especially the GM describing the NPCs isn't going to go on a big monologue about their internal state. Like, the player might, if they're really kind of talking out how their PC is feeling, then they might be going, oh, man, well, I'm, gosh, well, I'm, I'm in love with Belle, but I'm really worried that she's not going to love me back because I'm a beast. And they might sit there for, like, five minutes telling you their internal state while they try to decide their next action. A GM is not going to do that with the NPCs. It has to be portrayed through action and through description and through setting. And you're right, the film is a good medium for that.
1: So if the PC is Belle (laughs) and the GM narrates Gaston coming up, hitting on her, holding her book (laughs) sideways, tossing it in the mud, slapping her on the back, laughing at her father, like he's communicated everything he needs about Gaston in this external, very visual way.
0: You know exactly who this schmuck
1: is. <laughs> and you know that you're going to have fun punching him in the face <laughs> later in the session. Oh, yeah. You're like, everyone's rubbing their hands together, getting ready to take this guy down. hmm <laughs> So once again, maybe this could be helpful, even if you don't do any of these specific domains, or even specifically Ravenloft, to think about taking some of those storytelling elements of the Disney movie and converting them into tabletop RPG experience, Mm -hmm. a tabletop RPG setting for your players to interact with.
0: Yeah. And when we're doing this, part of what's going to be helpful, we hope, for that is that we're not just doing one specific way to do this. We're going to try and give you a grab bag of options.
1: So we're going to go through a lot of possibilities, and we... In the process of working on our Peter Pan episode. (laughs) And it's looking very long because we have so many different optional ways of doing
0: that. Mm -hmm.
1: But in all of these, we do want to give you a variety of possible spins on the domain. Mm -hmm. We are going to have one that's sort of our canon.
0: We personally like best for our table if we were running it as GMs, but we're not you. And our table's not your table.
1: We are going to take that domain and write it up and put it on DMs Guild, and we'll put a link in the show notes. And it's free. And it's free, yeah, free write-up, so if you want, if you hear something you like, you can go back and just have it in a textual way, written up as a domain of Dread, using the Van Richten's Guide format for you to reference for your own player on the table. So we are going to have sort of our version of the character, and of the setting, and of the backstory, and of the horror, and of the adventure, but as Rachel was saying, we're also going to try to give you a bunch of varieties and give you a bunch of options and give you a bunch of different ways you might want to interact with these movies, these characters, these locations at your table. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the ways that we're going to be giving you to run these games is, we're, or rather two of the ways, I suppose, is we're going to be giving you some tips for how to possibly run this with kids and how to run this with adults so that, you know, these are Disney movies. A lot of us who grew up playing D and D are parents now, and we want to play with our kids. And running Disney movies is a fantastic way to do that.
1: You've got an immediate hook for mm-hmm. young players. They've got an possibly immediate a of,
0: literal hook if it's Peter Pan. Literal. literal
1: <laughs> hook. You've got an immediate sense of I know this world. I know these characters. I know how to kind of interact with this world. If I am in Cinderella and I'm meeting Cinderella and I'm meeting the stepsisters and I'm meeting Lady Tremaine. I know what they're like, and I know how to interact with
0: them. Mm-hmm. So we are going to have ideas for how to run this with kids, but at the same time, maybe you're not running for kids. Maybe you have an all adult group because grown ups still love Disney movies.
1: The Walt Disney Corporation is making quite a large amount of money every single year on that fact.
0: Mm-hmm. So you know those are going to be two alternate options: is the kids version and the adults version. And while we're talking about doing the kids version. We consider this to be mostly a PG-rated and family-friendly podcast. But what we mean by that, we don't mean that it's specifically a podcast for kids and families. We expect that our average listener is going to be an adult. But at the same time, I think all of my favorite podcasts that are still actively producing episodes right now, I cannot listen to with my children in the room. (laughs) I love them. They're wonderful. They are not safe for little ears. And we want this to be a podcast that our parent listeners can listen to while they're cooking dinner until their kid is in the next room. So we are going to be avoiding adult content as much as humanly possible. Trying to
1: be very careful with our language. Mm
0: -hmm. We probably will have a bingo card that's, you know, check off every time that we're obviously trying not to swear, but so far we've managed to avoid it.
1: Three for three, baby.
0: (laughs) That being said, Ravenloft is a horror setting, and we are going to be talking about horror versions of what might be your kid's favorite characters. So some of this stuff, even though we're trying to be pretty sanitized in what we talk about, it might be a little bit too scary and too intense for certain kids.
1: We have not scripted The Little Mermaid yet, but there's a good chance that in our version, Ariel's a weird plant creature. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if that image of Ariel as a weird plant creature traumatized your children, as I know it did many.
0: Uh, It sure traumatized me.
1: And that just us talking about that might be upsetting, be aware of that.
0: We are going to be kind of talking about if there is something in the episode that we think is going to be too scary for the kids. We are going to mention that in the beginning. Also, I did mention that we are going to have a section where we talk about running it specifically for adults. That's where we're going to be keeping most of the nightmare fuel. We're going to be trying to contain it as much as we can in that section. And when we get there, we're going to pause. We'll have recorded it already. Future Rachel is going to come in and tell you if your kids are in the room and you're worried that this is going to get too intense for them. These are the exact things we discuss and here's how far to skip ahead. In some cases, it's going to just be the imagery being kind of horrific. In other cases, so if we're talking about Hunchback of Notre Dame and you're running Frollo as an adult for your adult players, there might be some stuff there that you really don't want your kids hearing about.
1: You're picking up what you're,
0: we're yeah, down. Yeah. So we'll get specific of the content advisory. And also the great thing is if you're an adult listener and you don't want to be hearing that Frollo nonsense, you can also skip ahead and not have to worry about that in your life. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> So far, it's worked out great. I think that our pilot is actually right around the level of horror we're shooting for in an average episode. And actually, even in the pilot, the aging up section, the adult section, didn't really end up being that bad. It basically boils down to do the stuff that we've been talking about, but describe it more graphically. So I think that that's a good sample of what to expect in terms of what we think of as being PG rated. Speaking of what we think of as being PG rated, we are podcasting from Maryland, not from Florida, so we do not consider it family unfriendly to acknowledge that gay people exist. We are
1: also not producing content to tune the movie theaters in China, so we have <laughs> the option of thinking about, talking about characters being gay. Mm-hmm.
0: If there's subtext, if there's popular in that a character is gay, then we might be talking about that as a possibility.
1: We have not scripted the Frozen episode yet, and it's probably mm. way down the road because that's a real tricky one to do, mm-hmm. but it's going to come up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been on the internet. Yes. <laughs> and finally, when you go from this episode to hopefully in a couple of weeks, our episode one, our official pilot, our Lion King episode, there's going to be a drop in audio quality. Yes. Not that I'm saying this is a great example of audio quality, <laughs> but we are figuring out how this works. This We are Brand new Podcasting Babies. Our
0: very first podcast. We've guest hosted on Friends Podcast, but we have never done this ourselves before.
1: We are a little snowman who just got made by the Snow Queen. (laughs) And the world is very strange and new of things like reverb and audio adjustments and bass. Compressor
0: settings. Yes. The compressor settings were all wrong for The Lion King, but by the time we figured that out, we'd already done all our editing. I apologize. It's not great. But listen to it anyway, please. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) The content is great, just not the audio quality.
1: (laughs) So there's going to be a dip in a couple of weeks when you listen to Lion King. Hopefully you'll get that kind of arc of, we'll get a classic hero's journey arc (laughs) of we're going to be getting better and better and better as we go, but I make no promises.
0: We are hearing the improvements. Episode two is better than episode one. We're working on episode three right now, and it's better than episode two was.
1: Also in terms of some of the formatting issues, that's another thing we're sort of figuring out as we go along. We have a solid basic format for the average episode. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Quite pleased
1: with how that's working out. These some of these stories are powerful, are archetypal, are multivalent, and we can go long. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned Peter Pan. We're around three hours <laughs> of content on Peter Pan, and we're not done our script. Mm-hmm. So we're planning to split that in half, and. Now we're looking back and saying, oh, we should have planned to do two distinctive episodes. Mm -hmm. Because we have a lot to say about not just the Disney 1953 Peter Pan, but a lot of variants of Peter Pan. We should have had one just about the 1953 Peter Pan. And then a second episode that was kind of all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But we sure didn't.
0: And we've already done three hours of recording, guys. And we're baby podcasters. And this is just our hobby. Please don't ask us to do it again.
1: (laughs) So instead, we're just going to do the very awkward kind of find right a, down the middle. Yeah, find a stop point about an hour and a half, two hours into the first part of it, record a dumb wrap up, record a dumb intro, and then have the rest of the content
0: cut it in half like a baby two moms want.
1: <laughs> yes, so now we know if we're looking at something where we have a lot to say and there's mm-hmm. a lot of it. So, for example, we might in the future, be doing Alice in Wonderland, and I could see that running pretty long.
0: Yeah, because it's another one that's a a story where we would be influenced almost as much by other tellings as we are by by the Disney story.
1: Then, now we have a better sense of how to schedule that. So please, it's going to be a bit. We're going to be figuring out the formatting. Once again, bear with us.
0: Don't compare us to your favorite podcaster who's been podcasting for years.
1: (laughs) We're not asking you to join our Patreon, for one. So
0: <laughs> we don't even have a Patreon.
1: <laughs> our plan right now is to release the 13th of every month. Cause it's the spookiest date starting with June 13th. So this hopefully is dropping around the beginning of June. And then hopefully in just a little under two weeks, you'll be able to listen to that, that long hinted teased Lion <laughs> King episode. And then sadly you'll have to wait an entire month but fortunately, happily, two months, you'll be getting two episodes about Peter yes. Pan. So, you know, win, win, win.
0: <laughs> yes. Because, uh, sorry, sorry, guys, we have three kids. We just, we do not have time to edit multiple lengthy episodes a month. <laughs> and then kind of the last thing where we mentioned our, our format and how we've got that and we're pretty pleased with that. We had our prologue for this episode and we are going to be following an original character to this, named Dee. If you're familiar with the older Ravenloft material...
1: Like Rachel is.
0: <laughs> or even if you've just been hanging around the forums with the various arts, then you've heard mention of the Gazetteers.
1: This was the third edition era of Ravenloft. And the third edition Ravenloft was not being produced by Wizards of the Coast. It was produced by a company called Art House, which was a subsidiary of White Wolf-ish. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, if you were a nerd of the tabletop dice role-playing variety in the 90s, then you remember that one of the signature things about White Wolf was the in-character writing of a lot of their source books. Mm-hmm.
0: And actually, Ravenloft already had that with the Van Richten So They were written in character from Rudolph Van Richten's perspective. So this was a beautiful marriage of, of two different properties that both had this, this in-character narration.
1: And the premise of the Gazetteers, which were the source books for the different Ravenloft domains, was that there was this scholar named S who was being sent by one of the Dark Lords to catalog the different lands. And so that's how you were getting this write-up that was cataloging the land for you, the GM, to use. But you also had kind of this ongoing meta plot of S's journeys through the domains, and you were getting little hints of... S's backstory, and you were also sometimes having S's patron add these little comments, because that's also classic White Wolf. Yeah. These yes. sort of conflicting narrator comment, different thought sidebars. hmm And so you were also getting little hints of the narrator's, the patron's plans and goals in the comments. hmm
0: And if we mentioned White Wolf having the in-character stuff, you kind of rolled your eyes, because yes, a lot of that was terrible... If you're ever able to track down a copy of the Gazetteers, which I know is a big ask because they're out of print and they were fantastic, so it's really hard to get a used copy because no one wants to get rid of their old copies.
1: they're not on DM's Guild yet.
0: And they're not on DM's Guild yet. Please, if you can get your hands on them, I cannot recommend them highly enough. This was really just the apotheosis of what they were trying to do with that format. It's a perfect marriage of the fluff into the crunch that... It feels like all of the details, you know, even even the, the goofiest, like, most pointless minor details about like, well, this is the flora and fauna that Tom will occasionally say, no, this this doesn't need to be in there. I've used it. I've mm-hmm. used the flora and fauna. I've used the and, the <laughs> and the merry weather. And <laughs> the merry weather. I've used the weather. I you've there used we the merry weather. <laughs> so anyway, I'm done. I'm done plugging the gazetteers now, but we are going to be kind of incorporating that
1: so as mentioned in our write-up, in our journey via podcast through these domains of Disney, we are also having a narrator, we are also having a scholar, only R is referred to as D, who has also been hired by a patron to write these catalogs of the domains. And we are also going to have a little bit of an ongoing story, a little bit of an ongoing narrative, and hopefully giving you, just like with S and the old material, some of the backstory and some of the backstory of her mysterious patron as we go through the domains.
0: And that is an excellent segue into some acknowledgments that we want to do here, because we do mention the people who are helping us in our end credits, but those are end credits. They're short. They're just a, hey, this person did this. We want to gush over how great all the people who helped us are, because you are all wonderful. And one of those people is helping us with these Gazetteer segments. I am not going to spoil who they are, but they are going to be writing for the patron, and they are just absolutely fantastic. You know who you are, and you are great, and I look forward to the stuff that you write every single time I ask you for stuff. Thank you so much for writing this stuff for us, and I cannot wait for everybody else to find out how awesome it is because it's... Fantastic, guys. So you who don't
1: even know. You better listen to The Lion King. <laughs> Got gotcha, you <gotcha> hooked now. <laughs>
0: Our logo was designed by Haylight Jones, and it is gorgeous. Thank
1: you, Haylight. It's
0: really something. It's perfect. We didn't know exactly what we wanted. We had kind of a vague idea. And we they wanted were, a logo. We wanted a logo. And they sent us some of the, the stuff that they were brainstorming over, and the, the thing that we thought that we wanted, it, it was it was not right. It was not the thing that we actually wanted. And then they sent us some of their, their notebook scribbles and doodles, and their doodles were better than what we we thought we wanted, guys. That's how good is. That's hey how Light we got is. that amazing
1: logo <laughs> that hopefully you saw in your little feed and went, ooh, I want to see that. I want to see what that's about, so, which is exactly what we were going for.
0: Yes. Thank you, Haylight. You are wonderful. And then our last shout-out is someone whose stuff isn't going to be, like, appearing physically in the podcast the way that Haylight and our mysterious patron are. Um, but we do want to give a big thank you to our friend Chris Newton. Chris helped us come up with this idea. We were, you know, Chris ran a podcast a while back that is sadly not on anymore that is very much the spiritual predecessor to this one. It started out as the Gameable Disney podcast and it became Gameable Pixar and Gameable Saturday Morning.
1: There's a lot to listen to and it's Mm. so great and you're welcome.
0: Every time, every time I listen to it, I learn something. It's fantastic. And when we first noticed this whole Lion King would be a great Ravenloft setting thing, we mentioned it to Chris because who else are you going to mention that to? but your friend who used to run a thing called the Gameable Disney Podcast, right? And Chris was the one who really came up with the idea that, hey, this should be a podcast. This is a great idea. This has legs. This has a lot of podcasting potential. And it was also Chris's idea to do the in-character segments, which... Is a fantastic idea, and the in character segments are so much fun to write, and I love them. So we are, you know, we are the the, the podcast parents, but Chris is very much our fairy godfather. If and Chris
1: doesn't mind the comparison, we are kind of both imagining this as a sort of spiritual successor. To
0: yes, I, like
1: I, those video games on Kickstarter.
0: Also, Chris's current podcast is not family friendly. It's one of the, the ones that I was talking about. Opposite. Yeah, it's one of the ones I was talking about that I cannot listen to with my kids around. Might
1: have taught my children the F word.
0: Yes, but it's fabulous. It's called Mega Dumbcast, and every season he goes through a different RPG supplement, page by page, identifying the dumbest thing on every page. It's so funny. I know it sounds like just a mean spirited dunk fest, but he's going with things that he has genuine love for, so you can just feel the affection for these dumb products radiating out of every word, except for some of them where he's, you know, there's extremely dunkable material that should not get love. But at in, in any rate, just it's, give it a try. It's a blast. It's so fun. But not while your kids are in the room. Never yeah, right. while your kids are in the room. <laughs> So thank you so much to Chris Haylight and our mysterious patron for being your wonderful selves. We just we, we we could not have done this without you.
1: All right. Hopefully we kind of explained what we're doing, where we're coming from, and whetted your appetite for the <laughs> Lion King. And hopefully you will be hearing a much more comprehensive take on some of the hints we dropped in much worse audio quality <laughs> in a couple of weeks.
0: If you want to contact us before our pilot or after our pilot, you can email us at WonderfulWorldOfDarkLords at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at WonderfulWorldOfDarkLords. And on Twitter, WonderfulWorldOfDarkLords is too long. Even WonderfulDarkLords is too long. Du- du- du-
1: du- so you can du- du- find
0: us on Twitter at WonderDarkLords.
1: Yes, you can. <laughs> Until then, happy gaming.
0: This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through museopen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you want to contact us, then you can email us at wonderful... If you want to contact us, then you can email us...
1: <laughs> we won't be done.
0: You can find us on Facebook at Wonderful... wonder. If you want to contact us, you can email us at Wonderful... Wonderful... <laughs>